Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. We've been in this series. Actually, we did a three-part series that Dre was referencing. Uh, it was actually three weeks ago. I, I was gone for the last two weeks. Uh, I was gone celebrating my 50th birthday with my immediate family and extended family. We went to the Oregon coast for several days. And um, it was great. I don't know if you're clapping because of my birthday or because I was gone for two weeks. You're like, well, <laughs> breath of fresh air. But I'm back, and I'm, I'm a little more rested and definitely wiser. I'm 50 now. So I'm, uh, but that the last week that I was here, we were ending this kingdom series, this series on the, the kingdom of God. And this new series that we're in, it's not, a, it's not like a, 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 an abrupt turn away from that to, to go a new direction. It's actually an expansion of that. Because now what we're talking about, we're, we're looking at all the one another. Well, not all of them, but we're looking at a bunch of the, the instructions in Scripture that inform our life together, that talk about who should we be, how should we treat one another. Because the reality is that the way that we demonstrate the kingdom of God, that we are a people who now live under God's authority, is that the way that we treat one another, that's a big part of it, Right? And so we're doing this one another anothering series, and, and uh, we've got this imagery that we used during the kingdom series. And I'll just put that up. That, can we get that Venn diagram up? This Venn diagram communicates, we, we, we looked at this all through that kingdom series, that, that it's, it's heaven and earth coming together. And that middle part, that purple part, is that overlay, that's, that's where heaven is touching earth. And we, and we see this in Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was talking about the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we see it in Jesus, the way he, Jesus taught his disciples to pray and say, pray then that, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we looked at in that series is that we're not talking about a geographical boundary, like a collision of two geographical places. What we're talking about is God's will being done in the human experience. God's will being advanced and expanded in our lives and through our lives. So, so that moment that Dre had with Bess, that was, that was heaven touching earth. That was, and so, so you see that purple dot coming out into the messiness of our world, those purple dots. That's how we're supposed to live outside of here. We're supposed to live with this constant like, God, what do you want to do today? May your kingdom come, your will be done. And so first, our first message in the series, Pastor Mike took us through love one another. That's kind of the overarching banner. If we were to talk about what, what should our life together be like, the big picture is just love one another. That was, that was the central message of Jesus, even in the, the final moments of his earthly life. He was very concerned that his disciples would love one another. The world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? That's why he washed the disciples' feet and said, because I have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. You should serve one another, not rule or judge one another. So Pastor Mike took us through love one another last week. Pastor Janet took us through this amazing message about live in harmony with one another. Also a wonderful message with some great uh, teaching illustrations, and it was just fantastic. Today we're in welcome one another. And, uh, and th- look at the subtext on this, on this slide. Welcome one another to the table, despite dis- our differences over the menu. 
welcome one another to the table despite our differences over the menu. That subtext is crucial because the instructions to welcome one another, they're not really necessary until we find ourselves on the opposite side of the table with fellow Christians, right? It's easy to welcome one another when we're all in agreement or at least when we think we're all in agreement. I think what's happened over the last 18 months, it hasn't been so much creating differences as exposing them and in some cases exacerbating them, but it's easy when we all think we're on the same page and suddenly we realize, oh, I'm not quite on the same page with somebody else. What do we do with that? And the instructions according to Romans 14 are that we welcome one another even in our differences. This one another comes from Romans chapter 14. And in Romans 14, Paul's addressing a divided group of Christians who are, they're fragmenting over matters that each of the groups place in the closed hand. We've used this illustration before that we talk about um, matters of, uh, of difference. And there are things we put in the closed hand and there's things we hold in the open hand. And in the closed hands, we put things that are to the, at the very core and essence of our faith. Things like um, God's nature the divinity of Jesus, uh, the Jesus' death on the cross. What is the nature of, of the gospel? How, how can a person be saved? Who, who is salvation for? All of these things, we put those in the closed hand because these, we say these are at the very core of the Christian gospel. But then there's other things that matter, but that sincere Christians can disagree on, that we don't all see the same way because they're, they're matters of, of experience, matters of preference, and so historically, we've put placed things like worship styles, um, clothing style. Like how do you come to church? Like, do you have to get, get dressed up or do you come as you are, right? We've, we've placed those things in open hand. We say, those things may matter to you, but they're matters of personal conviction and personal conscience. Not, we don't all have to agree on those things. And so there's open hand and closed hand things. Well, in, in the church that Paul was writing to in Rome, they were putting some things in the closed hand that Paul says, no, those are... Those are open-handed things. Those, you shouldn't divide over those things. Not only were they putting them in the closed hand, they were judging one another. They were despising one another. In our day, we would say they were canceling one another. And as a result of that, they were on the verge of destroying their life together as a community of faith. Destroying their life together and also destroying their witness in their community. They were called to reflect God's love, to, to be a countercultural people in Rome. And yet what they were doing was just in line with what everybody else was doing. The two current areas of conflict. There was two, we're not going to spend a lot of time on why they were divided over these issues, but in order to understand the text, you need to know big picture what they were dividing over. Big picture, they were dividing over issues of diet and calendar. And that's what Paul had to confront. Diet. They were arguing over what foods could be enjoyed by followers of Jesus and which ones could not. They were arguing over issues of calendar, which days and annual festivals were of most importance for gathered worship and which ones should not be celebrated. So, big picture, you've got a, a Jewish and Gentile churches, Christians, trying, to, trying to, to navigate life together. And Jews and Gentiles came from very different cultures, very different experiences. There was, there was a cultural divide. There was a racial divide. There was a theological divide. And they're coming together into the same church, but you have Jews who have certain uh, food prohibitions that the Gentiles didn't share, certain matters of conscience they didn't share. The Jews had, uh, were very faithful to celebrate the Sabbath, and, and the Gentiles didn't have an experience of that. In fact, Gentiles thought that Jews were kind of lazy for not working on the Sabbath. 
And then Jews had all their, their festivals throughout the year, calendar year, like significant festivals that were very important to their faith and, and things that had shaped them. And Gentiles had a different set of festivals that were very different. And we can relate to that. We have Christians that disagree over Christmas. Some, some find Christmas to be the most important day of the year, along with Easter. And some others would say, no, that's a pagan festival. I don't want to have any part of it. That's an open-handed thing. That's a matter of conscience. So this is what Paul's writing into. And, and in our devotions this week, this is what, Ma, what Pastor Mike said about the, these arguments. He said, the specifics that Paul lists in Romans 14, these lists about diet and calendar, they were tearing apart the first century community along ethnic and religious lines, threatening to forge separate tables, threatening to forge separate tables around which dividing communities would gather. So, those two issues, issues of diet and calendar, we might have differences about those, but those aren't really the divisive ones in the 21st century American church. They were, they were despising one another over those issues. They were dividing, and it was threatening to destroy them. But we've got our own list too, don't we? We've got our own list of things that we can despise one another about, divide by, and, and eventually destroy our life together and destroy our witness in the community. Mike, Mike started a list in our devotions. I added a few. Here's our list that we came up with together. It's probably not comprehensive. Maskers versus anti-maskers. Vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. Huggers versus distancers. Red versus blue. Conservative versus liberal. Black lives matter versus blue lives matter or all lives matter. LGBTQ plus versus traditional sexual and gender norms. Online schooling versus in-person schooling. On-campus church versus live streaming. And I just ended with an ellipsis there because we could probably add more, right? What would you add? Issues of the Holy Spirit. Those are things that we, yes, absolutely. I thought, I, in terms of cultural currents, that I thought those, these are things that people are dividing over. I, I thought about a critical race theory. I wasn't sure what would be on the opposite side of that because I don't think we really define critical race theory the same way. In fact, I think a lot of people, it's, it's one of those things that's a buzzword it's got a lot of, uh, of energy and angst around it, but I don't know that we're actually always talking about the same thing. Let me give you a freebie. This is a free application for today that, um, that before we get to some application points, that uh, I recently listened to a podcast on, it's, it comes out from Christianity Today. They have a podcast called Quick to Listen. And it comes out every week, Quick to Listen. And here's their show description. Each week, the editors of Christianity Today go beyond the hashtags and the hot takes and set aside time to explore the reality behind a major cultural event. And so what they're doing is they're saying, how can we be thoughtful and thorough about issues that are dividing one another and try and look at it more robustly than just from one angle? And it's to help us understand how Christians can, can differ on these things and how can we better come together and how can we better reflect God in our community? And so they had a really thorough discussion, like an hour and 15 minutes, just one week, it was July 1st, was on critical race theory. And if you want to explore that more, I would encourage you when these topics come up, don't settle for sound bites on these cultural issues. Like, go for the, 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 the thoughtful and the thorough so that we can understand and, and stop judging one another. So, coming back to Romans 14, there's divisions that were destroying the Christian community in Rome, causing them to judge and despise one another. We're going to read Paul's correction to the Roman church today out of the message. 
Okay, the message is, is not a, a literal uh, interpretation of Scripture. It's, a, it's not a literal translation, it's an interpretation. And, but it's, it's very helpful, because we're not going to unpack it today, but it's helpful in understanding just in a devotional way. We're going to read it from the message, and I'm going to encourage you to go read it in your preferred translation on your own today. But I just want to make sure we understand it so that we can spend some time in application. So, um, as I read this, can we just say, God, would you let this penetrate our hearts? And the temptation is for us to say, may this penetrate the hearts of the people on the other side of the table from me. Which is honestly not very helpful. Let's each one of us let this speak to us for wherever we sit on the table on any of these issues and others. Romans 14.1 Welcome one another with open arms, or welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way that you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might be well convinced that he can eat anything on the table while another with a different background might assume that he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they felt a criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat? And the ESV says the despising them. Wouldn't it be rude to despise them over this? God, after all, invited them both to the table. In this first three verses, the pattern is established, and the pattern is that there is judgment and despising and destroying happening inside of the church, and it's coming from both sides. It's not, Paul's not writing to correct and say, okay, let me give you a verdict on which side is right. He's, right, he's writing to say you're both wrong if you're despising one another. The issue isn't so much about the issue, it's how you are handling it. He's writing to say stop the division. 14.4, do you have any business crossing people off the guest list? or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. <laughs> or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy and another thinks that each day is pretty much like any other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of conscience, their conscience. What's important in all of this is that, you keep a, is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. The, the direct translation says, do it in honor of the Lord. If you do it, whatever you do, do it in a way that honors and reflects God. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for prime rib. If you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. Also cheese sauce, which covers up the broccoli. And then he goes on to say, none of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. There are matters that are important. But, but the matters that are important are of, are of theological faithfulness, not cultural currents. None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. Hold on, my PowerPoint locked up here. It's God, verse 8 and 9, it's God we are answerable to, all the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. 
That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again, so that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. So where does that leave you when you criticize a brother? Where does that leave you when you condescend to or despise a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly or worse. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment, facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in Scripture. As I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will tell the honest truth that I, and only I, am God. So mind your own business. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. Forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about. That you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. I'm convinced, Jesus convinced me, that everything as it is in itself is holy. We, of course, by the way that we treat or talk about it, can contaminate it. If you confuse others by making a big issue over what they eat or don't eat, you're no longer a companion with them in love, are you? If you confuse others by making a big issue over what they mask or don't mask, you're no longer a companion with them in love, are you? These, remember, are persons for whom Christ died. Can we anchor into that? Especially in the community of faith. But every person we encounter, Christ died for them. Would you risk sending them to hell over an item in their diet? Don't you dare let a piece of God-blessed food or cloth become an occasion for soul poisoning. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put into your stomachs. For goodness sake, it's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that, and you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God above you and proving your worth to the people around you. So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with one another. Help others with encouraging words. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not going to permit an argument over what is served to, or not served to, at supper to wreck God's work among you, are you? Are you? I said it before and I'll say it again. All food is good, but it can turn bad if you use it badly. If you use it to destroy. If you use it to trip others up and send them sprawling when you sit down to a meal, your primary concern should not be to feed your own face, but to share the life of Jesus. So be sensitive and courteous to the others who are eating. Don't eat or say or do things that might interfere with the free exchange of love. Last two verses. Cultivate your own relationship with God. In summary, cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. You're fortunate if your behavior and your belief are coherent. <laughs> but if you're not sure... If you notice that you are acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, others days trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. I think this is a timely passage for us. In, um, you know, even this, just literally this week, as things are ramping up again in our nation and world, 
with um, the Delta variant spreading and people having to decide how are we going to navigate a fresh wave of COVID and schools are reopening, the conversation becomes more important and, and suddenly this thing that we, I think we all hoped we were past is back in our faces again. And we're going to have to decide how we navigate that. We're going to have to decide it personally for ourselves and our households. We're going to have to decide how we navigate it for our faith community. We have to decide how we navigate it out there in, in our community. And you know what? It, it's an open-handed thing in terms of what we actually do. What's close-handed is the heart that we do it from. We're called to live in love, not in judgment. We're called to welcome, to walk in love, to worship God. So I've got just a couple application points, and I'm going to go through these real briefly. But here's the choice before us. Here's the choice before us. Will we despise, divide, and destroy? Or will we welcome, walk in love, and worship? First of all, remember that God is the host at this table. And when I talk about this table, I'm talking about our, our faith community, our life together. Beginning with Sunday morning, that's the tip of the iceberg. It's the most visible part. But it's our whole life together. It's our life groups, our ministries, our, our, our outreaches. God is the host at this table. Uh, it was this, I was reminded of this quote from C.S. Lewis. Andrea and I had this actually in our, um, in our wedding invitations. At this feast, it is he who has spread the board. It is he who has chosen the guests. It is he we may dare to hope who sometimes does and always should preside. Let us not reckon without our host. Let us not reckon without our host. God adopts us into a family. And our Heavenly Father cares how we treat our brothers and sisters. In the same way that you as, 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 as natural parents care about the way your children treat one another, God cares about how we treat one another. We're not to allow the currents of our culture to sweep us away from walking in love with one another. 14.12 says, each of us will have to give an account of himself or herself to God. <clears throat> the account that we'll give is not on how we corrected everyone else who was on the wrong side of the issue, but on how we were faithful to our convictions and faithful to love. Secondly, remember that Jesus died for, for the pe person or people that you may despise. That should be illuminating and convicting when I, we find ourselves treating anyone, but especially a fellow believer, with contempt because we don't understand how they could arrive at the conclusion they've, they've arrived at. Let's just anchor into Jesus died for this person. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them to, to the degree that he, he sacrificed his life for them. Let me live in that kind of love. Thirdly, remember that you are not the only one with the Holy Spirit. I think it should give us pause when a fellow Christian that we have known for a long time and trusted Find, when we find ourselves on the opposite side of an issue with them, that should give us pause and should make us wonder. Like, I should get curious about this. I wonder how they can see this so differently. From, because what happens for us is we think, well, it's so clear. Like, this is the way that a Christian should see this thing. And, and then you find another Christian, it's very disorienting when they see it differently. That should make us get curious. That's why we need things like this podcast I referenced. We should be quick to listen. How, how could other Christians see this differently? Because then we can come to a more robust understanding of it without despising one another. 
I think the phrase, help me understand, is so valuable. Saying to a fellow believer, can you help me understand how you see this? Because I, I see it very differently. Can you help? And then listen. You know, this week uh, as a staff, we had a leadership team conversation that started as email where we recognized that we weren't all seeing something quite the same way. And what would emerge pretty quickly in the email thread is that this merited us actually sitting down face-to-face because we were going to communicate better face-to-face and literally sitting around a table together in my office than if we just tried to do it by email because email is a very limited communication form. And so we agreed to just pause the conversation until we could be together. We sat down around my table and it took us over an hour. But we listened to one another and heard one another's hearts and it was beautiful. We left that meeting great, with greater trust for one another, with greater understanding of the issue. And, and it was a beautiful thing. I want to do more of that. I want to do more of that. Number four. Remember that Jesus said that the world would know us by our love for one another? not by how we're correct on every social issue. I could unpack that, but Pastor Mike already did. One last one. Last one. Remember that welcoming one another is not only what we do at the front door, like somebody walks in, sits down next to us. It's not only what we do at the front door. It's the ongoing posture of our hearts and minds, of our mouths and our fingers. In other words, what we type, what we text, Here's what I find. I can be on my best behavior and I can filter what people hear and what they see and what I type. And in my heart, I find judgment about other people. And my prayer is, God, how can I grow in loving people the way you did? You died for, for people that are on the opposite side of an issue that I am from. Help me to love the way you love. There's a story in Luke 7. I was, I was in this story devotionally this week and Jesus is at a dinner. Simon, Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to dinner. Jesus is at the dinner at his house. And, and Simon actually doesn't treat him with the kind of cultural respect that would be typically afforded in their culture. And Jesus took note of that. He didn't say anything. But then a woman came in who had a pretty bad reputation in their community. And she just treated Jesus with adoration. And it's, the text says that Simon the Pharisee sat there watching this. And in his, in his heart, to himself... Not out loud, he said, hmm, if this man was a real prophet, he would know just what kind of woman this is that's showering attention on him right now. And Jesus knew his heart. And Jesus, and he, and he talked to him and he said, Simon, and he went on to tell him a little parable about who, forgives, who loves more. It's the person who, for, who is forgiven the most, loves the most. And what it exposed is that Simon's heart was full of pride. He didn't didn't comprehend just what he needed forgiveness for, so he was judging someone else. I had a couple takeaways as I was just praying through that devotionally this week. My takeaways were, were God, would you help me to get in touch with all the things that you've forgiven me for? You've been so merciful to me. There's a direct connection between me comprehending and embracing that mercy and how I treat other people. When I'm experiencing God's love, I'm, I'm able to love better. When I'm experiencing God's mercy and kindness, I'm able to be more merciful and kind to people on the other side of the table. That was, that was Jesus' challenge to Simon. And secondly, it's, it's sobering that God knew his heart. 
Even, even if he didn't speak it out, Simon didn't say anything. There's a, there's a God who knows our hearts. There's an invitation for us to walk in repentance. When we find ourselves judging someone who's on the opposite side of an issue, we find ourselves considering dividing and separating, despising. That's what the culture's doing. We're called to be countercultural. We are called to be countercultural. Jesus announced that the kingdom of God was breaking in, and we often call the Jesus' kingdom an upside-down kingdom. It's not actually upside-down, it's right-side-up. It's just that it's so different than the way the world does things that it feels upside-down to us. It's actually right-side-up, but it is countercultural. We're not to take our cues from what the world is doing, pulling everybody into camps and, and divisions. We're to, to circle around Jesus. You know, you know how, how do you sit across the table from somebody else who's on the opposite side of an issue and see each other eye to eye? It's because Jesus. That's why it's so important that we come together and we worship Jesus. We didn't sing songs about, about our position on cultural matters this morning. We sang songs about Jesus. That's what we'll do, church. In the next week, you're prob- we're probably going to have to navigate. Like, how are we as an organization going to navigate the current cultural things that are happening in, in our community? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is yet. We'll have a staff discussion on Tuesday, and we'll talk about here's what's happening with Delta variant, and here's what's being asked of by our city authorities and our health authorities. We'll have to navigate that. My commitment is we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to choose love. And we're not going to despise and divide, even though we're not all going to agree on what we should do. I'm going to make decisions that you wouldn't make if you were me. You would do it differently. God bless you if you want my job. You can have it. (laughs) Good Lord. Can we close in prayer? And um, here's the thing. Our prayer team has has, uh, already since this morning some words for prayer. I'm going to put those up on the screen. These are some things that our prayer team was saying, God, what do you want to do this morning? And, um, and these are some specific things that we, we sensed God uh, just wanting to address this morning. It's not comprehensive. There's other things that our Heavenly Father wants to, uh, to meet in our midst so that we go out here encouraged and built up and coached up and bandaged up and ready to go love people. So um, if you need prayer this morning, as, as I close in prayer, uh, we'll dismiss and allow us to go grab our kids and greet one another. Um, if you need prayer this morning, I'm just going to ask you to come up to the front rows right up here. And, um, and some of our prayer team and, and anybody, if you, if you uh, can stay and pray with other people, uh, come pray with a brother or sister. So having said that, would you stand with me if you can? And I'll just close in prayer. Lord Jesus, um, above all else, we acknowledge that you are our host, that we gather together as a spiritual family and that you are the head of this family. And that's the way we want it. And Lord, you knit our, us together. You, you remember us, even parts that have been divided, that you, you knit us back together. I invite you to do that. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? And Lord, every one of us, we... we We're formed by so many things. Let us continually be formed by you. God, when we start to fall into the cultural currents of name-calling and judgments, 
despising people who, who hold a different view. Lord, would you break our hearts of those things? Would you convict us? Would you show us when we're, when we're living in ways that distort your image to the world around us? And Lord, would you fill our hearts with love? Lord, we may not agree on these things. Would you show us the things that, that, that matter deeply? And help us to be faithful to our own conscience over these matters. But I pray above all else, though our consciences may not be the same on these things, may our consciences all be shaped by love for you and love for others. You said these, everything else hangs on this. Love God and love others. So we, we anchor into that. As we navigate our world and the shifting landscape around us, we stand on this, that we are loved by you, that you love us, that you love every person we encounter. Would you help us to choose love? Oh, Jesus, we, we ask this, that, that we as your church would glorify you, would live in a way that reflects you with less distortions, with greater clarity, that you would be made beautiful as you are. That we would be light in the darkness, that we would be salt to a world that is, that is bland, Would you help us, Lord Jesus? Help us to welcome one another to the table despite our differences over the menu. For your glory, for our, our joy, for abundant life together, and by all means, Lord, for the sake of the world around us. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, uh, we, like I said, we just invite you to come up to these front rows up here. And our prayer team will be here to, to pray with you. Apart from that, go and make the invisible God visible. Thanks for watching. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.